How's everybody doing? If you noticed, I came up here, I have no notes, no paper, just the Bible, which is all you need. That's a, that's a, that was me in high school, actually. I'm like, have the little sheet right here on my, and if you stretch your hand up, this sheet would go up your arm. Miss Hooten's like, you never wear long sleeves. Like, Today I did. Um, anyway, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 9, I want to preface what I'm going to say before I start. Um, this week has, well, every day actually, but this week has been especially um, uh, special to me in a sense from, from God's word to me because it seems like everywhere I turn, um, I'm running into something that makes my eyes jump back to God's word and study. Uh, or I'm talking to someone and I hear something that, you know, will make your blood boil and, or curl you up a little bit. And um, it always makes me recall what God has already spoken to, me, to my heart, but makes me go back and put my eyes on his word as a reminder uh, for me to be steadfast in his word. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is a couple things. But the first thing I want to talk to you about is... Um, and I don't know if you might have had this, this same uh, issue that I've had, but in my communication with other people, especially since um, preaching, starting to preach the word three years ago, uh, I've run into all kinds of um, issues with, with uh, spreading the gospel, the good news to people that are outside. Um, and sometimes using the word uh, for that dreaded correction and reproval. Um, to people that are on the inside. I run into um, some pushback, to say the least, uh, from people that call themselves Christians and obviously from people who don't call themselves Christians who are, who are so-called atheists and non-believers. But one thing I want to talk to you about tonight is that I've heard many, many times um, when I'm talking to somebody about coming to church and the importance of coming to church and, um, and hearing God's word preached to them, I hear... Uh, all kinds of comments, but one of them is that you don't have to go to church to be a believer. And then I hear from non-believers that, you know, all you goody-two-shoes people in that church look down your nose at, the, at, these, at these filthy sinners out here like me. So I don't go because of the way that y'all make me feel when, you, when, when they come to church. Um, I've heard people say that they thought that, you know... Um, that the church was supposed to be for sinners, not the saints. And I tell them, yes, it is for the sinners and the saints, because the saints are the sinners. We sin. And what I want to talk to you tonight comes specifically from chapter 9, uh, from Jesus' response uh, in verse 9 through 13, I believe it is. Um, we're going to pick it up in verse 9. Matthew 9, verse 9 says, And Jesus passed... Forth from thence, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now I'm going to stop there for one second. Just like Matthew did the same thing that the fishermen did when Jesus called them to be disciples, they straightway dropped their nets and went. Jesus looks at this, this publican, this tax collector named Matthew, and if you look at uh, the book uh, in Mark and, and Luke, they call him Levi. He's the same person. Don't get him confused. 
So Matthew Levi is the same person. He is a tax collector or a publican um, working for the so-called enemy, working for the Romans. But Jesus sees him and he says, follow me. And what's the next line? And he arose, speaking of Matthew, and he arose and followed him. Notice what it doesn't say there. It doesn't say that Matthew said, let me deliberate on this, Jesus. Let me go home and pray about it. Let me, let me discuss with my friends, or let me, let, me, let me think about this lavish lifestyle that I have. And make no mistake about it, Matthew had a lush lifestyle. He was a tax collector. He was, he was living a higher, at a higher standard than most of the people that he was collecting taxes from. He was elevated because of his status, because of his job. And the Romans took care of him because of that. But Jesus puts his eyes on him and he says, follow me. And Matthew does it. Many, many people today are being addressed by the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, follow me. And they're not dropping their nets. They're not straightway going with Jesus they're saying well wait I can't leave what I've got here I can't leave what I've got going on I mean uh, I'm hanging out with all my friends my friends are we're cool and we're good we're we you know we hang out every Friday night and every Saturday night and if I if I go with Jesus I won't have these people anymore and and now that's something that scares me I don't want to lose these people and then you got other people that say well you know I live in the biggest house on the biggest, the, excuse me, the biggest mansion on the biggest hill in the biggest part of town. And, and, and I'm afraid that if I stop doing what I'm doing that, that, that sustains this lifestyle that I got, that perhaps, and, and I follow Jesus, perhaps I'll lose what I've got. I might risk everything because of where I work and, and how I make my money has come from worldly desires. It hasn't come from following Jesus. So I'm afraid of losing that. And then you got other people that are um, what what some people would, would consider low lives. You got some people that, that maybe are um, I don't consider them that, but society would. Maybe they're the dreads of society. Maybe they're they're drug addicts. Maybe maybe they're homeless. Maybe they're they're down on their luck. They're without jobs. They're they're trying to raise kids and don't have a lot of income coming in, and they, there's no good happening in their life. And when you approach them about Christ, they say, what has Christ ever done for me? Look at how I'm living. He's not going to fix this. And they can think of every excuse, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you're in between, you'll think of every excuse in the world not to follow Jesus. But his disciples didn't. Matthew, the publican, the tax collector followed him. He arose and followed him. And that's the way we should be. That's the way everybody should be. You know, there's scripture in the Bible that tells us uh, that we should, we should pay attention to the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't, we shouldn't, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, it's quench. Thank you. Quench the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. Shouldn't quench the Holy Spirit, but many, many people are quenching the Holy Spirit every day. The scripture goes on here in Matthew 9. It says in verse 10, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. 
And when the Pharisees saw it, those dreaded Pharisees, those, those legalists, when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? <laughs> and let me stop there too. By the way, um, I've been preaching now for three years in July uh, as, when I first started preaching. Um, in February, I'd be three years that I've been Howard's assistant. And I thank you very much for entrusting me with that. But since I've been doing that, let me tell you what I've heard from people that have known me before I ever did anything like this. I hear people saying, how can you do that? How, 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 do, how do you have any type of, of background to do that? How can you be a preacher of God's word? We knew you growing up. We knew what you did. I got people that serve with me in the military. When I tell them I'm a preacher, they laugh. Or they'll message me. I, when I first started doing it, they were messaging me saying, is this a joke? I mean, no, it's not a joke. I'm not laughing. They're like, are you doing this because of so-and-so? Are you doing I'm doing it because of Christ. But they think it's a joke, and they bring up my past. Well, I knew you when you were in Okinawa. Well, I knew you when you were in Korea. I knew you when you deployed over in Bosnia. I knew you when you did all this. And I knew your mouth. I knew your actions. I knew everything about you. And I tell them, yes, so did Jesus. And he forgave me. And he still called me. And you know what? He's calling you too. For something in the ministry. Everybody's got a ministry. Whether it's preaching from behind the pulpit. Whether it's making food for somebody. Whether it's knocking on doors. Whether it's driving a bus. Whether, whatever it's doing. For, as long as you're doing it for the Lord. There's a ministry in it. And Jesus is calling everybody. And he says follow me. And we should be like Matthew. And arise and follow him. But we got many, many people that when their friends get up to follow Jesus, they'll be the first people to say, hey, they're a bunch of sinners. They can't, they can't be in ministry. They're sinners. Hmm. That's crazy. Let's go on and read what Jesus has to say about this. And verse 12 says, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. Mm. Let me tell you something. The whole world is sick. The whole world is sick. And then he says, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. And I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The whole world's sick, and we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says it. For all come short of the glory of God. We all sin and come short of the glory of God. That's, that's Howard, that's me, that's, that's everybody. That's, that's Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, Jimmy Graham, Donnie Graham, whatever other Grahams are, the, everybody, I don't know if they even exist, they probably do, but they all come short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. Jesus came to save us. And since we're all sinners, Jesus came to save who? all it came to save everybody and i am so sick and tired of people bringing up the past not just for me but for somebody else you know i'm going to get to the second part of my of my message tonight uh here shortly but what i've been hearing uh anytime somebody wants to to do something for god they feel like god has led them to do something 
and they'll inquire of their friends or they'll inquire of this and they'll inquire of that instead of just doing what God has put on their heart. You know, I had, I had somebody in my own family one day ask me, by whose authority do you preach the Word of God? By God's authority. That's whose authority I have. And by His command. By His commission. That's right. I don't know what they're looking for. Uh, like you got to go to a seminary for, for 1,800 years and have things hanging off your hat and funny tassels hanging around your neck and wear a robe. I don't need to do all that. Nobody needs to do that. You need to preach the Word of God. But they'll bring up the past and they'll, they'll say you did this and you did that. I've even had, I've even had people, friends or so-called friends, use foul language towards me when I present the gospel to them and tell them, just like Jesus told Matthew, follow Christ. Jesus said, follow me, and I'm telling them the same thing. Jesus is telling you to follow him, and then they'll use vulgar language, whether it's directed in a hostile manner or whether they think they're just being funny. They'll use vulgar language. I've even had Christians use vulgar language. I was talking to them this morning at, at a Sunday school about going to the football game Friday night, and I just absolutely, it don't matter if it's a football game, grocery store, wherever, movie theater, wherever you go, I just do not feel at home anymore. I don't feel like I belong here. I feel like I've stepped into the twilight zone with everything that is going on. It is crazy. Is uh, I, I remember there was, somebody used to say in the military, this is bizarro world. Yes, it is bizarro world. What used to be good is now evil, and what used to be evil is now good. And that is in the Bible. And that's how we know we're getting ever so closer to the rapture. We are getting ready to go home because it is evident. And I'm telling you right now, it makes my stomach hurt when I go to a football game and I see a 12 or 13-year-old kid using the foulest and the most vile language I've ever heard in my entire life. I was in the Marine Corps, and I haven't heard that language used in that manner, well, I have, but that from a kid, nonetheless. And then when you go to correct them, other adults look at you like that's not your place. That's not your kid. Oh, yes, he is. And he's your kid. And he's your kid. We have a duty. We have a responsibility. But I've had Christians tell me, hey, you don't push that on other people. You don't push your convictions on other people. I'm not pushing it. I'm presenting it. I'm going to present it in a loving fashion. Now, if you choose to, to receive it as if it's hostile, that's because something's pricking at you. I'm not, I'm not beating you over the head with the Bible. Matter of fact, I'm against that. I'm against it. I will present the word to you as loving and as kind as I possibly can and tell you the same thing that Jesus told Matthew and all the other disciples, follow him. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. Period. But yet, you're just a Bible-thumping. I've said it this morning. You're a Bible-thumping Jesus freak, Richie. Brother Richie, you you got to calm down. Not, we're at a football game. That's no place for God. We're at, a, we're at a football game. That's no place for you to be talking about Jesus. You keep that at the church. That's what I'm hearing. And that's what I'm seeing. 
I told you at the football game they didn't even play the national anthem. Flags out there, and they wouldn't even play the national anthem. I don't know if it was a boycott or what, but the band was up there. They just didn't play. So we took it upon ourselves to sing, me and about five or six other people that knew the words. But what I will hear when you, when you say this is it, when you present the gospel or you try to correct somebody, even a Christian, like I've seen Christians, people that say, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. I was born again when I was such and such years old in 1986 or 1995 or 2010. I was saved, born again. Then why aren't you in church? Why aren't you coming to church? You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, you're not an obedient one unless you do. We need to be obedient. We need to do what Christ says to do. We need to do what his word tells us to do. And his word tells us to assemble together. Do not forsake the assembling together of yourself as the manner of some is. Especially as you see the day approaching. Now I'm going to look at something else with all this vulgar language that's going on. And I'm telling you it's coming out of the mouths of people that call, Christ, that, that call themselves Christians. And they've directed it towards me. At me, towards me, and around me. And sometimes they do it and think that it's no big deal. They do it with a smile on their face and laugh like, like it's just an adjective that should be used before this word and it should always be used before another word describing this other word, which is garbage. And they call this adult language. That's not adult language, it's trash mouth. I want you to look at James chapter 3 real quick because this is the second part of my message. First of all, we need to follow Christ Jesus as the manner in which Jesus told his disciples, and they, they put down their nets and they followed him. Matthew rose up and followed him, left his cushy job and followed him. And let me tell you something. They hated Matthew. Everybody hated Matthew because he was a publican. He was a tax collector. They thought that he was gouging them. They, they thought that all tax collectors were just uh, uh, basically putting a little bit in their pocket, taking a little bit more than what they needed to be taking. And oh, by the way, he's working for the Romans. He's against us. So why on earth would Jesus call him? He calls us all because he came to save us all. And by the way, Jesus was poking at the Pharisees when he said he came to save sinners, not the righteous, because there's none that are righteous, although the Pharisees thought they were. And there's a lot of us, and I say us, I'm using that word usually. There's a lot of Christians, I'm air quoting, okay? There's a lot of Christians that think they're okay because they say that they're a Christian. And, you know, I, I told you when I was a kid, the kids in school, would, they would say, that's what your mouth say. Your actions say something else. And by your fruit, you will be known. Period. Now, I'm not judging you. I don't, I don't want to judge you, but I will point out things in the Bible to tell you, hey, Jesus said to do this. The Word says to do this. We shouldn't be doing that, and you should be doing that to me if you see me doing something that's not right. Or if you hear of me doing something right. If you suspect I've done something that's not right, pull me to the side, hey, Brother Richie, did you do this? You know that's not right. This is what it says in the Bible. And use the Bible. This is what it says. And that's what I do. Hey, so-and-so. I heard you at the game the other night say you were a Christian, and then all this filth came out your mouth. Let me show you what the Bible says. Ah, oh, I got time for all that. That was written by man. So you don't believe in the Word of God? Oh, you're just being hypocritical. No, I'm. 
do you believe in the word of God or not? That was written by man just to control us. So you're not a Christian. So you either believe or you don't. That's right. Here's what it says in chapter 3. I'm going to pick up in verse 1. This is James chapter 3. It says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and he be also to bridle, uh, excuse me, and able also to bridle the whole body. Bridle's the key word here. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, as the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, listen, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a manner a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But listen, but the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Amen. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of present this part of the message twofold. I'm talking, and I know the Bible's talking about this as well, it's what, what the Lord has laid on my heart. It's not just talking about cursing. Not just talking about foul language coming out of your mouth. It's about the, the presentation of your words. You know, I've, I've often, often heard people talk about how words can hurt. And words can hurt. I am also a big proponent. I've always taught my kids, you need to be thick-skinned. Don't worry about what somebody says. Pretend like you don't, don't hear it. Unless it's standing right next to you and shouting at you for seven hours. But you are. You've got to be thick-skinned. But at the same time, the words that come out of your mouth have an impact. They have a tremendous impact on somebody else. They have an impact on the people you love, whether they're in your family or they're your friends. And they have an impact on people that you may not love, that you may not get along with. Have you ever said something to somebody in the heat of the moment? You may not even curse them. You might have had a foul language come out of your mouth, but the message was foul. Have you ever told somebody to go do something or go away in a hasty manner? Or because you didn't like that person, they said something snippy to you. As soon as they walked away, you gathered a whole bunch of people around and started talking bad about them. Have you ever done that? I know I have in the past. I praise God and then turn around. Did you hear about so-and-so? That guy, he's so pathetic. He's pitiful. What are you doing? What are you doing? I heard Brother Howard preach a message on on uh, a murder one time and he used uh, ask, ask us have we ever murdered somebody you know and you, and you say no but at the same time you might have murdered yeah murdered them with a tongue you might have murdered their character 
Just because you were mad at them, bridle your mouth. I know I've, I, look, God preached to me first, okay? <laughs> this message was intended to, to, to hit quick to the heart, okay? And it did. I told my, my brother Pat was messaging me this week. He had surgery on his nose and, and uh, praying for him that he gets, he gets better and heals up. But he was, he was messaging me one day. I think it was Wednesday. We were having a uh, Bible study, and he messaged me. He goes, hey, just to let you know, I, I've watched a couple of your Bible studies. Praise God. And he goes, I just want you to know, I think you're talking directly to me. And I started, I laughed. I mean, no, I, I, actually, he talked to me first before I talked to anybody else. But um, I will say what Brother Howard says. If your doorbell's ringing, you know, because mine's been ringing a lot. But this message, this second part of this message um, was hitting me. You know, we talked about this morning at, at Sunday school, um, in order to be a bishop, there are certain standards that you have to comply with. And one of them is you can't be a brawler. And you got to have good rapport without the people without. It's hard to do that if you're bad-mouthing people. It don't work. Bridle your mouth. Pray for those people. Um, that's what we should do. The Bible tells us to pray for our enemies. I want you to turn, if you would, to Ephesians 4. And we'll see what Paul says on this matter real quick. It's just one little verse I'm going to read to you out of uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Verse four, uh, 29, Paul says this, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to, uh, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I'm going to read that again because I just botched it. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And then right underneath it was the verse I was alluding to earlier, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. That's for us believers. But let me tell you, those, those non-believers, the Holy Spirit speaks to them. It's the, the truth is written on their heart. And the Holy Spirit approaches them on a daily basis, saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. And every day, Every day that they're without, they're refusing. They're quenching the Holy Spirit. They're grieving the Holy Spirit. There's only un one unforgivable sin. That's right. But Paul tells us beforehand, he says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Listen, our job... We're supposed to edify the church. We're supposed to edify one another. We're supposed to build one another up. Now, the word is supposed to also be used for reproof and correction. Those things uh, for doctrine, those things are necessary. But we don't have to yell at somebody. We don't have to treat them like they're less than human beings when we do it. You know, when you talk to somebody, treat them with the same dignity and respect that you want to be treated with. I know one thing I hated when I was a private in, in the Marine Corps. I hated getting screamed at for everything. And it was everything. I don't care what it was. Like, brush your teeth. Oh, my goodness. Okay, got to brush my teeth. I'm a bad guy. But everything was getting yelled at. And you don't have to yell at somebody to get your point across. 
Speak the truth in love. Edify one another. Build each other up. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I've, I've told you this before when I was in the military and I, I went through training for, for leadership school. They always told you to end on a positive note. I don't care how bad the soldier is. Always end on a positive note. And I, you know what? That goes with me. That goes with me even in raising my kids. I will, you know, I will, I will never miss an opportunity to correct my son. Never. But he also knows that that door is going to come open 10 minutes, 15 minutes after I corrected him. And I'm going to put my arm around him and tell him I love him. And that, not that it's okay, but I love you. I just want you to know that I love you and you're a good kid. You just messed up. <laughs> but I've done that with all my, all my kids. And we should treat each other like that. As far as, as the first part of the message goes, you know, who did Jesus come to save? He came to save sinners, of which we all are. Everybody is. He didn't come to save the righteous because there aren't any that are righteous. What, what are we in our, in our greatest righteousness? We're as filthy rags. Yeah. My rags were so corroded they spontaneously combusted. That's how bad my rags were. Awful rags. So when people say that that house is full of, uh, you know, you goody two-shoe righteous people and you're looking down your nose at it, you don't know because you've never been here. When was the last time you stepped foot in the church? Or if you do step foot in a church, then you claim that, that you don't feel right. There's a reason you don't feel right. Don't quench the spirit. Surrender. I'm going to tell you something else. I had a conversation with somebody a couple months ago that said, y'all preach in there that you need to surrender, and that's just not biblical. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's absolutely biblical. We'll, we do a whole sermon on, on surrendering. But let me tell you something. Surrendering is the only way. Because if you don't surrender, you're not giving your all. You're still holding on to something in your life. That could, that could be your pride. That could be your, your, you know, there's plenty of stories in the Bible where Jesus used, and sometimes they were parables, sometimes they weren't. But there's plenty of stories all throughout the Bible how people failed to follow because they didn't want to give up something. Yeah, that's right. A rich man went away. He was sad. Yeah, he wanted it, but boy, that's, that's tough. Look, surrender means surrender. And if you're calling yourself a Christian, you should have already surrendered. And if you haven't already surrendered, you need to do that. Every aspect of your life. And you know what that's going to do? That's going to that's gonna cause you, when you get mad and go to do something that your old man would have done, that that Holy Spirit binds you up. And you surrender to that. And you say, you know what? You're right. You're right, God. It's yours. I'm not going to do what I would have done. I'm not going to say what I would have said. I'm going to love that person, and I'm going to pray for him. And that's what we need to be doing. But let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And that was my message tonight. First, Jesus died for us all. And once you're saved... You're always saved, but once you're saved, once you're always saved, we know that salvation's not lost, but once you've done that, walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk. Look, anybody can say they believe in Jesus. Anybody can say that they're a disciple of Jesus. But people on the outside, or the, as the Bible says, people without should know that you follow Jesus 
without you saying a word. They should know it. But when you open your mouth, let it be good communication. Let it be edifying. Because you are the ambassador of Christ. You are a heavenly ambassador here on earth. And then sometime you might be the only or the last time to present the gospel to somebody. That person, you never know, that person might walk away from you and get hit by a truck. You might have been the last person that ever uttered a word to them. Or the last person they ever saw doing anything. Just think about that. Use good communication, but preach the gospel. Use the word rightly. Talk to one another. Talk to, to people outside the church. Present the gospel to them. People that are inside the church, fellow uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you have a problem or if you see them doing something wrong, then talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. It, it's okay. We're part of the same family. It's okay. You know, nobody likes to be told they're doing something wrong. They're probably going to get bent out of shape, but they're a Christian. They'll be okay. Tell them in love and let them know you love them. And tell them, tell me if that's the case. And you know what? If, if they don't receive it from you, come back and talk to Brother Howard, me, Bubba, somebody else. And we can go two or three together. And we'll do That's biblical. That's right. And then how, how they receive it. That's the way we should do. That's what we should do. We should do what the Bible says to do, but we're too scared to do it, just like at a football game. We're too scared as a Christian to say, hey, that's not right, because we're scared that everybody else is going to beat us up. Look, we've said it a million times, we're in the world, we're not of the world. I know that for a certainty. I'm not of this place. It is, this is not my home. Thank God. I'm waiting for that call. When he says, come up hither, I wanna, I'm going to try to beat Brother Howard to the punch. Like, That's right. I'm lighter. <laughs> That's right. I'm working on that. Anyway, so if anybody asks you about coming to church, if you talk to somebody about coming to church and they say, hey, that place is full of a bunch of, bunch of you know, righteous saints and we're sinners and blah. That's right. I, I, I've been. You're a bunch of hypocrites. That's what I told them. I got. I got an extra seat for an extra hypocrite right next to me. That's all right. So bring them on in. Bring. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they got pink, purple, polka dotted hair. I don't care. Bring them in. Now that's another message. That's another message. Come as you are, but you receive the Holy Spirit. You ain't staying as you are. I'm gonna tell you that right now. That's a different message. Anyway, I'm gonna quit talking. And I didn't have any notes. How about that? Um, I'm going to ask Brother Bubba, will you dismiss us in prayer, please? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to be in your house, Lord, to hear your word, preach and proclaim, Lord. We know that, Lord, your word tells us that straight is the, and narrow is the road that leads to heaven, Lord. Wide and broad is the road to destruction, Father. We know that your word tells us to study, to show ourselves, to prove that your work need not be ashamed, right? ask you tonight to help us, Lord, that we would study to show ourselves approved, Father, that we would be that workman and would not be ashamed, that we would be willing to take what you have given us and share with others, Lord. Do it in love, Lord. Your word tells us always to treat others the way that we want to be treated and to love our neighbors ourselves. Tonight, Lord, we ask you to just help us, Lord, as we go our separate ways.
back here again, Lord. We pray you keep us safe, and thank you for, again, this opportunity.